Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is episode 18 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and this episode was originally supposed to air on April 1st, April Fool's Day. Mwahaha. Don't worry, I'm not going to pull any pranks here on the show. My humor manifests itself, as you know, in the form of dad jokes and really horrible puns. Not in jump scares, so you're good. Unfortunately, I came down with the plague right before I was set to finish writing and recording this originally, so things got shuffled around a bit, as you have seen, but hopefully you've enjoyed the uh, the little unplanned extras. But since April Fool's Day is about the unexpected, and also about things not going as we planned, I had thought it might be a good time to talk about what happens when things don't go the way we expect them to with respect to our craft. More specifically, what happens when spells don't work? Some of the reasons why this can happen, and how to deal with it when it happens. Because it will happen. It happens to all of us at some point. So, that's what we're covering today, albeit a few months late. But who's counting? Because much like magic, life doesn't always go the way we expect. So, in previous episodes, we've talked about the various components of spells, a little bit about how to cast them, and the importance of recording what you've done. But what we haven't talked about yet is what happens after, or how to tell when, sometimes if, those spells are working. And what I want to talk about today is that second one, when you've cast a spell and it just doesn't seem to be working. Because this is the one I get asked about the most frequently. We've all been there. You've done the work, you've cast the spell, you've recorded what you did for future reference, and now you're just waiting. And it doesn't seem like anything is happening. You wait a while. More nothing. You wait a while longer. And then, out of the blue, just when you're least expecting it, nothing happens. All over the place. Whole lot of nothing. Everywhere. Far as the eye can see. So naturally you're like, okay, what the heck? Did I do something wrong? Did the spell not work? Was that mugwort expired? What's going on here? 
there are several factors to consider in this situation. You'll need to examine the spell itself, your own actions, and the circumstances surrounding the whole working. So let's start with the spell itself. The first thing you'll want to consider is timing. And I'm not talking about magical timing. This is not a case of, oh my gosh, did I cast my spell under the wrong moon phase or whatever. This is simply, how long has it been since you cast the spell? Magic doesn't always work the way we think it will or in the time frame that we're expecting. It might take a week. It might take a year. It generally takes as long as it needs to take. Unless you specifically built some kind of reasonable, observable deadline into your spell, you may just need to wait a bit longer. As a general rule, if I haven't seen an indication of success within a month with a spell where I expected an observable result, I just go ahead and assume it hasn't worked. Also, if the spell that you cast isn't something that's going to be outwardly apparent if it works, it might work just fine, but you'll never know. This is especially true for spells involving other people and the reactions of other people, both the helpful kind and the harmful. Now, unless the person you cast the spell for slash on has been told you're doing a thing, they probably won't even know anything's been done. So you're not likely to be directly told, yes, this spell worked. You might find out through their social media or through mutual acquaintances, or they might mention something related to the situation. So just, you know, be observant. For instance, if you cast a spell to help someone find a lost pet, and they post a picture of their fur baby safely returned home, then that's a good indication that your spell probably worked. If you cast a luck spell to help someone ace their entrance exams, or maybe get a new job, and you later hear from a mutual friend, oh, did you hear Darnell got into that university they wanted? Or, hey, Susie got that job she was hoping for. Both good indications of success. But these are examples of results that are outwardly apparent. These are things that others will see or hear about because there was something definite to report that was also worth being shared. If you were working for something less noticeable, these indications might not be present. This can include spells that are preventatives, spells that deal with personal or very private matters, and especially baneful spells. Now, some baneful spells may have outwardly apparent results if that's what you specifically made the spell to do. Like, if you specifically wanted someone to blow a tire on the day of their big interview, and then that happened, there you go. But if it's more subtle than that, the person might not talk about it. People do tend to hide it when things are going wrong. Well, I mean... Not everybody social media overshare is a thing, and some folks love to complain. But in general, if people are having a bad time of things, they might not exactly be telling the world their troubles. 
And on the other side of things, if the spell was for something very personal or very private, that information probably isn't going to be shared either, or it might not be shared until a later date. If the spell was a preventative, it's hard to tell if it worked, because if it's working, nothing happens. You generally only get an indication of success if there's a near miss, like if someone almost has an accident on the highway but manages to avoid it, or if someone almost had a break-in at their house but the alarm scared off the intruder before they got inside. So your spell might actually work letter-perfect, but again, you might also never know. Next, you'll want to consider your own actions, namely... Is this spell something that will work on its own, or do you need to do something to make it happen? We have to remember that spells are never guarantees of success. They can only ever increase the chances of a desired outcome occurring. The best way to make your spells effective is to set them up for success when you cast them. This can be done by making sure your intentions are clear from the start, focusing on what you're doing as best you can, and that includes making sure you're not distracted or interrupted so nothing throws off your groove, using advantageous timing and materials if that's something you decide to do, and of course, following the spell up with practical action where needed. That last one is really important. No spell in the world is going to get you what you want if you don't also do some legwork to make it happen. Job-finding spells aren't going to work unless you send out resumes. Love spells aren't going to be very helpful if you don't socialize. Protection spells are fine, but you still have to make sure you lock your doors and windows. And so on. You can also build those indicators of success I mentioned before into your spell from the start. These can be noticeable results, or a request for news to arrive, or some kind of sign that you'll be looking out for. For instance, if this healing spell works, a blue butterfly will come and light on the lilac bush in my garden, and then I'll know it worked. Or... If this money spell is going to work, I'll find a quarter on the ground sometime in the next three days, and so on and so forth. This can be whatever you're likely to notice, so you can really tailor it to your own tastes, your own environment, your schedule, your daily routine, and so on. And it really helps in cases where the results of a spell might not otherwise be readily apparent. Consider also the construction of the spell and what happened during the casting. Were you distracted or interrupted? Did the casting feel bumpy, maybe a little off-kilter, or like it was fighting you? Did you just feel off your game that day? Do you feel like you need to try again? Is there another method of casting you could try for the same intention? Sometimes trying the same spell a different way can make things easier. If you did something complicated the first time around, try something simple the next time. If you tried a jar the first time, try a paper charm or a burning bowl. Don't be afraid to be creative and think outside the box. 
even if you're using a spell written by someone else. There's also the possibility that despite your best efforts, the circumstances just weren't right for your spell to work. Maybe something wasn't in the right place at the right time, or maybe other things need to happen before conditions are proper for the desired result to manifest. Or maybe whatever you were trying to do just plain isn't going to happen no matter what. That is a possibility. Figuratively speaking, sometimes the stars just don't align. And that is okay. This is when you need to consider maybe trying another tack or just leaving well enough alone. Like I said before, magic is not a guarantee. You can only influence probability so much, and sometimes the possibilities are just too remote. Even if you're doubling the chances that something might happen, going from 1% to 2% may not have the effect you were hoping for. Accepting this, and knowing when to stop are both part of growing as a practitioner. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you in part by Global Grey eBooks. Research is an important part of any witch's journey, but sometimes it's hard to find readily available information or classical sources. And who has the time to wade through stacks of dusty tomes these days? Fortunately for all of us, there's Global Grey eBooks, a free online archive of public domain literature. Curated by a single tireless archivist, this site offers so much more than your average eBook repository. The archive is curated into categories, fully searchable by topic, title, author, and keyword, and there are things here you've only ever heard about before. You can wade through the archive at your leisure, or, for a small donation, you can download entire collections in one go. The books come in PDF, EPUB, and Kindle formats, and make excellent additions to a well-rounded digital grimoire. I highly recommend checking out the Occult Collection, as well as Mysteries and Secret Societies for lots of interesting and unusual works. You can check out the full archive at globalgrayebooks.com. Remember, this site is all the work of one person, and it runs on donations, so make sure you drop a few dollars in the tip jar or purchase a collection to help keep the content coming. I know my witches are going to want to check out titles like The Black Pullet and Culpepper's Complete Herbal and English Physician, but you can also find copies of foundational texts that help shape witchcraft as we know it today, such as the Gardnerian Book of Shadows, Leland's Aradia, Levi's History of Magic, and so many more. I've used this site dozens of times to find classical sources for my own research, both for personal projects and for this show, and I can't endorse it enough. Whether you're interested in the history of witchcraft or just looking to expand your library, visit Global Grey eBooks at www.globalgrayebooks.com. That's gray with an E for the best collection of free public domain eBooks a witch could want. This episode is brought to you by Portland Buttonworks. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one, but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment? Well, fret no more. Portland Buttonworks is just what you need. Portland Buttonworks creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. 
Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items for yourself or as gifts, or order in bulk for merch, table sales, or your own shop. And they are quick. The turnaround time for properly formatted submissions is one to three business days for most orders under 1,000 pieces. That is lightning fast. I've been getting buttons from Portland Button Works for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the hex positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the PBW Witch Shop for a thoughtfully curated selection of witchcraft, magic, and occult-related zines. They've got books, buttons, tarot cards, and more. The collection has a refreshing emphasis on magic that relates to traditional and folkloric witchcraft, chaos magic, secular witchcraft, magical plants and herbs, queer witchcraft, politics and social justice witchcraft, and other non-Wiccan magic. There's a good chance they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Witch Shop and Zine Distro at pbwwitchshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. Fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. This episode is brought to you in part by Crowsbone. Crowsbone is a family-owned business with 20 years of experience in the study and practice of magic. Their selection combines carefully curated wholesale goods, unique secondhand finds, and handcrafted items from their home base. Peruse their excellent selection of books, home decor, spell components, and so much more. Make sure you check out their seasonal subscription packages and mystery boxes, as well as their range of personalized services and readings. While you're there, check out their Working Community Survey, featuring a variety of voices from the witchcraft community and their library of free printables. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at The Crowsbone or on Tumblr at Crowsbone for regular updates and sales. And now is the perfect time to do it because the good people at Crowsbone are offering my listeners a 15% discount on their products and services. Just use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout. This offer excludes subscriptions. Refresh your witchcraft supplies and help support small business while you're at it. Visit crowsbone.com and remember to use code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout for 15% off your order. Crowsbone, to thine own self be true. Since we're all heartily fed up with Amazon right about now, I've decided to open a small online witch shop on my WordPress. You can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework, or shop for witchy goodies like banishing powder, witch web kits, and witchy buttons. You might even get a special surprise or two with your order. Go to brainagarin.wordpress.com shop to place your order today. And now, back to the show. Now, you can always try some divination to see how your spell is going if you want. You can read your cards, or cast runes, or scry, or whatever you're best at. It might just tell you to wait longer, but sometimes it's nice to have something to do while you're waiting to see those results. A magical fidget, if you will. One thing that I like to do, apart from rune casting, is to check on spells with my cauldron. 
I burned some dry grass and a little handful of divination herbs, and I throw in a leaf of sage or bay laurel, a whole leaf. If it burns quickly, the spell is working and likely to be successful. If it burns at a moderate pace, things might still be in progress, or there might be obstacles in the way. If it burns really slowly, either the spell hasn't worked yet or it's not going to. That's the system of indications that I go by. And much as I like a nice slow burn in my fiction, seeing one in the cauldron is generally not a good sign. This seems like a good time to talk about fear of failure. We all have it. No one likes getting things wrong or having their plans fall apart or doing their very best, their honest-to-goodness best, only to have things not turn out the way they'd hoped. It's not fun, but it's not the end of the world. You are still a real witch if your spells don't always work. I promise. <laughs> and this is the voice of experience talking. I've been at this for a very long time. You think all of my spells have worked? No, 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 no. So many of them have failed, I can't even begin to tell you. There is not a single witch out there who's gone their entire practice without getting something wrong. There are no perfect people, and there are no perfect practices. And there's definitely a reason why we call witchcraft a practice. Failure is an important part of learning. It shows where you need improvement, where you need to try harder, where you might need to take another path. Without these lessons, we don't advance. We just stay in one place, walking in circles. Sure, it might be comfortable, but you won't be getting anywhere. Success, constant success, can only teach you so much. So you have to try. This is not a zero-sum, do-or-do-not-there-is-no-try situation. We respect the try. Trying is what gets us places, what gets us up off our butts and into productivity and discovery and new directions. Mistakes aren't failures, and failures aren't the end. They are learning opportunities. If you are not at least willing to try and to risk failing in order to someday succeed, only then have you really failed. So, as we wrap up this whole conversation, I think it's important to take a moment and examine why we feel like we have to check on our spells, why we have this need for confirmation. Because I've seen a lot of discussion and a lot of questions dealing with the idea of, am I doing this right? And I think it goes a bit deeper than just wanting to know if your spell worked. I think a lot of us have been conditioned to think that we're not succeeding or doing something correctly unless someone in a position of experience or authority tells us so. And this certainly applies to some things, particularly the learning process, but in some ways it also kind of hamstrings our ability to trust ourselves. 
How do I know if my spell worked? How do I know if my deity liked my offering? How do I know if I've set up my altar correctly? How do I know if I'm on the right path? I think that part of this may also come from being raised in a religion or a spiritual community with very visible, responsive authority figures in place, as so many of us have been. When you convert from something very structured to a system where you're largely responsible for your own education and your own path, it's difficult to know when you're succeeding, if there's nobody to say, yes, that's right, or no, that's not it, try again. That part, very understandable. Many of us come to witchcraft fresh off of mainstream organized religions like Christianity, if we're converting, and we're used to and or sick of having some authority figure telling us what to do with our spiritual life. We get excited about the big, grand spiritual journey and expect to find enlightenment and fulfillment and success and inner peace practically right away, because different is always better, and surely there can't be any of the same problems on this new path, right? <sighs> the freedom is refreshing, but it also comes with responsibility and a need for self-governance that perhaps we are not used to or particularly prepared for. Forging that path on your own when you've been brought up to navigate something much more well-defined can be difficult. It's even harder if your path happens to be something eclectic, something that departs from a standard tradition or one of the more popular faiths, or it's something that is solitary and does not come with visible leadership or direct mentorship. And when we get stuck or lose our way, there's no person in authority to blame for leading us astray. So we blame ourselves. Difficulty becomes frustration, frustration becomes doubt, and doubt makes us blame ourselves and want to give up. If you were expecting a Yoda voice on there, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We've been raised to think that powers greater than ourselves are infallible, and thus when something goes wrong, it must be our own fault. We must have screwed up somehow, because the voice of authority or the powers that be could never ever be wrong about anything. But we don't need permission or approval or confirmation for everything we do as witches, and moreover, we're not likely to get it. I know that's a statement that's going to spike some anxiety levels, but it's true. I know we all need reassuring sometimes, and so we reach out to others for that confirmation, for that approval. And that's okay. That's perfectly normal and acceptable. And if you feel the need to ask others to give you feedback or to give you their opinions, that is completely fine. But also know that part of being a witch is learning to trust yourself, your own intuition, and your own judgment. And at some point, you do have to trust that your own work 
holds enough merit that it doesn't always require peer review. Did my spell work? Depends on whether it was meant to have a visible effect. You have to trust that it did, or that it will. Does my deity like my offerings? Trust that your deity understands your devotion and your limitations, and that they are glad that you made an effort. Is my altar set up correctly? If it's working for you, then yes. Trust your ability to know your own needs. Am I on the right path? Look for landmarks. Trust your gut. The path is neither as straight nor as narrow as you've been led to believe. Sometimes things just need more than one try. Sometimes you just need to trust that you've done everything you can. Sometimes we need to move in a new direction before we can find what we're looking for. Trust in yourself, in your own knowledge, and in your own power. They're a lot more reliable than you might give them credit for. And don't be afraid to get things wrong. A proper magical education should include many failures. Sometimes it's only by learning what doesn't work that we can eventually figure out what does. So, that's it for this month's episode. Another kind of short one, but I have a much bigger project that is coming up a little bit later this year. Hopefully you'll be hearing about it from me very soon, and I hope I'm not jinxing myself by saying so, but... I have something on deck that I've been doing a lot of research for. The script is expanding exponentially every time I work on it, and it's gonna get heated and I'm gonna be salty as heck, so I think you're really gonna like it. Hopefully, today's episode has shed some light on the mechanics of spell work and maybe eased some of those anxieties about confirming the results of what you've been doing with your magic. Just remember to trust your own intuition and your own skills and keep practicing. Don't give up, okay? Please remember to rate and review, share Hex Positive with all your witchy friends and neighbors, and show some love to my colleagues on the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. They are lovely, fabulous people. Until next time, I'm Brina Garen, reminding you to stay safe, keep wearing your mask, Get vaccinated if you can, and check your cauldron. It smells like something's burning. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garen on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hacks.